Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Buxton. Check it out. You can really elevate your site selection, your underwriting, and your marketing for commercial properties with Buxton's market analytics and consumer intelligence. Check it out at buxtonco.com. Well, today we're going to talk about the office market. What is the future there? It's like the sector that people are like, what's going on? We kind of know what's going on with industrial and retail and multifamily, but office seems to really still be up in the air. Here we are. It is late September 2021. You know, we have COVID is still around. We haven't gotten rid of it yet. Now we have, you know, another variant and then another variant. It's like, what, what is the end of this? So what's it mean for the office market? What's it mean for employees? What's it mean for your career as an employee? What's it mean for your company, your productivity, um, your efficiency, your culture? And what does it mean for office values moving down the road? Well, please welcome my guest. It's Casey Conway. You know him. He travels all over the world, traveling (laughs) to the world. He's with uh, Red Shoe Economics. He's also CCIM's lead economist. Casey, good to see you. Thank you, Michael. And, you know, the office world is kind of upside down. You know, everybody's got a a different opinion about it. You know, there's still a lot of remote work going on. So what do you think is the future of remote work versus in-office workers? So great question. And I think the way to think about remote work is kind of think about, you know, what we went through in retail. COVID accelerated the e-commerce world. So we were on track already to see less dependence on stores, but COVID put it on steroids Mm -hmm. and moved it up five years. Remote work, remember what was kind of going on before COVID. We had a problem with housing affordability and affordability in big cities. So that was already underlying, then hits COVID, we all have to leave the office. And now you look at maybe two issues, affordability and remote work kind of converging. And I think the future of office is remote work's not going away. It's been accelerated like e-commerce. Now we have to figure out, so where where does that remote work go? How much of it is going to go back to the office? Because we're all going back to the office to some degree, but maybe not five days a week. Mm -hmm. So, And I think the other issue is there's tentacles to office um, that maybe aren't there for other property types. One of the biggest ones is think about the impact on ancillary businesses, government revenues and collection of taxes. So if restaurants can't open because the offices aren't open and people going there, travelers aren't coming in because we don't go to the office, governments, uh, you know, they lose revenue, they lose tax revenue, and all those businesses go away. Do they go to the suburbs? Do they go to, you know, Nashville or Florida? Um, so those things, we, we still don't know what we don't know, but I don't yeah. think remote work's going completely away again. Yeah. And what about downtown CBDs, especially in the, in the big cities, uh, versus maybe smaller markets or, or suburban markets? Yeah, so I'm, I'm one that's been very bullish on the suburbs and the secondary markets. And so if you look at things like the moving migration reports from, U, from U-Haul, or you look at the new census data, and where did everybody move the last year or two? And where did everybody move during the last decade with the census? They moved south, they moved inland, and they moved suburban. And it was less to the urban area. So there were already those, those kind of those trends going on. So I think that's another headwind that we have to look at for offices. Where is that workforce going? The other one is a lot of folks like you and me, 
you know, we've been around a while, we have gray and thinning hair. And um, many are saying, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're done, maybe we're gonna retire early. So the, the, the back end of the workforce, the older generation is kind of pulling back. They love remote, they don't necessarily wanna go back and have the commutes. The millennial workforce, ironically, is the ones that wanna get back to the office because they know the only way you build your career, those relationships, especially our industry and commercial real estate, is you gotta get back in the office and engage with people. Yeah, yeah, you sure do. And one of the things that seems like it's holding back, especially larger companies, is um, you know health reasons, right? You, if you have a big business and you bring your employees back and all of a sudden someone dies, I mean, what's a PR nightmare? Uh, when do these companies, when do pe companies start getting back into these offices more? Is it just all reliant on COVID? So part of it, I think, is, and one of the big mistakes that Congress failed to do early in the year when we were starting to get vaccinated was provide businesses with a liability shield. And so if, if that's one thing we could do at a federal level to say, look, if you're following the guidelines, if you're doing what you can, at least if people are vaccinated or wearing masks or having certain protocols, then we're going to give you a liability shield. You'd see a lot more, I think, business activity in return than without that, because you're right. Um, in fact, I'm seeing situations where tenants in renewals, big big tenants and big office renewals, are are, um, are are seeing negotiations in the lease that they have to report what they're doing and what percent are vaccinated and uh, do they have unvaccinated staying at home and working remote um, as part of a lease. So we're going to see some things that change in the lease term because of those liability reasons. Yeah. What do you think, Casey, about uh, mandatory vaccinations by some of these businesses or by government? Yes, I'll confess. I grew up in Colorado. We believe we do whatever the heck we want in out west. Right? So I'm kind of in that camp that I'm, I'm, I'm in the camp that we do have part of the great thing about America is we have choice. We have our own liberties. We decide. But we have to balance this thing between community you know, kind of health and concerns versus our individual rights. And we can make choices. We can move someplace that doesn't require vaccination. But think about your kids. If your kids go to school, they're being vaccinated. And so if you look at from World War II forward, we've had all kinds of things, polio and all kinds of other illness that we've required vaccination. Yeah. So what is different this time? Uh, is it generational? Is it something else? So uh, I said before the 2020 elections that you know we might see something after the elections called our own form of Brexit. I came up with a term for it called Flexit and it was Florida and Texas just exiting. We're already seeing 19 governors are saying, we're gonna fight this thing, not on the basis of whether it's the right thing for, for health, but really because of our civil liberties and what we wanna do. So that battle has yet to play out. Yeah, well, you know, I'm all about freedom and, and uh, I don't like the government mandating anything, but uh, I recently uh, mandated at my office that no one could come to our office as far as employees or agents unless they're fully vaccinated they also can't see Bull Realty clients, uh, and they can't come to Bull Realty functions. Now, I realized when I did that, there's some people <laughs> going to say, hey, that's my freedom. Well, it is, but we're extremely set up well for uh, remote access and, and support. So, you know, our brokers and things can work from anywhere, really, in the world. Um, and, you know, if, you, uh, if you're going to meet with a client then and they get sick and, and pass away, possibly, that's not right. And I think, well, maybe, you know, when I, as the leader, make that rule, I realize there's going to be some people that don't like it. Yep. But leaders have to make rule. They have to make decisions that some people aren't going to like. And as far as you're concerned, uh, curious about the results, I have 50 people, roughly. I really had one person who did not like it at all. 
He did not want to work remotely. He is working remotely. He didn't like it. He liked working in the office. But, you know, it's uh, a, a rule I had to make. And, and I think it's something that if uh, another example I'll give you uh, that I, uh, I sell office buildings. I lead a team that does that. And we sold recently a bunch of smaller office buildings, you know, that were, uh, you know, 12, 20,000 square feet in the suburbs and went through every unit, every suite. And 85% of the tenants are open. They're operating, Casey. But I see the big tenants in the big buildings. They're just not there. No, no. It's... Well, and think about it, you know, for those that are concerned about this issue, you know, we do have this thing called the Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things we can do to make a reasonable accommodation that doesn't mean everybody's that way. Mm -hmm. uh, my little company, Red Shoe Economics, mm -hmm. we're, we're, all four of us were fully vaccinated mm -hmm. because we found from clients they didn't want to meet with us. Yeah. And a lot of what I do is expert witness and engagement. We're a relationship business. So I had to make the business decision, yeah. you know, and I got chronic underlying health issues. Mm -hmm. And so it was an issue, two of the vaccinations I couldn't take but we figured out I could do the third one. Mm -hmm. I even had had COVID. I have antibodies. I have a lot of reasons to say skip it. But I looked at when I balance out my business, my interaction with people, and what we, we have to do. In fact, I think that before the year's over with the airlines, you're going to have to have a vaccination to have clear system, TSA system, all these government fast track systems. So I think it's going to be a carrot versus yeah. a, a stick approach that's going to come. And yeah, and, and to your point earlier that we're getting vaccinated for other things, why is this any, any different? And this has proven to be very deadly. And I think I'd feel more comfortable getting on a plane if I knew everyone yeah. there was vaccinated. Just It's just safer, right? Yeah, and there's economic So I just came over the summer from a resort that we stayed at. And if we didn't have our vaccination cards and proof of vaccination, the, the room rate was $100 more because they were going to do a deeper cleaning and sanitation after we left, and we wow. couldn't get daily uh, towel or anything service. Right. So there's, there's tentacles to it. We can, we can get through it. The greatest generation got through a whole lot worse. We can get through this. There you go. <laughs> and, you know, and we're so set up for remote now. It's like that we have the technology that we maybe didn't have even 10 years ago, right? And we're all using mobile technology. We're all using things like Zoom. And, and you've you've been you've used Zoom in the past, right? Are you still doing it? <laughs> I still do. I'm so glad that hopefully we're going away from it because I yeah. really do think there's something that's lost mm -hmm. in most industries if you don't have that client or peer interaction. And for our young people, how do they really learn their business and their craft without some degree of one-on-one? -on -one or something's gained as well, right? Yeah. On your, oh. <laughs> so I, I told Michael, I brought in today. So this was my Zoom under the belt attire during Zoom. Uh, it's a, for those of you that are on audio, it's an orange pair of, of shorts in the backside of it as a skunk saying, it wasn't me <laughs> that did it. So I, I've transitioned, I put away my Zoom pants yeah. and I'm back in the grown up pants again. There you go. <laughs> um. And, and, you know, and to your point, you know, if you are an employee and, and you want to move up the ladder and get promoted and, and learn and grow in your career, it's, it's a lot harder to do that when you're sitting at home. I like to tell an employee, new employee, hey, you're going to love our people, you're going to love our culture, but your bond's going to be at home by yourself. That's right. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah. There's no substitute, especially our industry, yeah. our commercial real estate. Everything we do is people interaction. Yeah, and, and I'm an old guy, and I really love being in the office because I learn from everyone. I love the energy. And if you told me that, you know what, you're going to have to work at home from now on. You're not going to have an office around the office. I'd be like, well, I want to work at a company where I can go to the office. I like the, the difference between 
you know, home life and work life, right? And having that, so we are social animals, right? We're going to want to get to the cities and to these office buildings and to be around people for, for our career and also just to maybe get out of the house every now and again. Yeah, I can tell you if I told my wife I was never going back to an office, I can tell you what she might say. <laughs> and that's more expensive. <laughs> uh, well, it's going to be interesting. And I, you know, is and we talked about, uh, I asked you about the timing and asked you, you know, is it really um, the, the, the time with these big companies to get back in the office? Is it really about COVID or do some of these may, maybe mandating vaccines or showing proof of vaccines or doing testing once a week to... Do some of these companies start to take the risk when they start realizing that it's hurting their, their top line numbers, their bottom line numbers, or profitability? I think absolutely. So people are looking at efficiency. Mm -hmm. So some industries, the financial services industry, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jamie Dimon, J.P. Morgan said, you know, I could never imagine, or Citigroup, I could never imagine 90 plus percent of my workforce working at home. It's never going to happen. <laughs> it happened. And yeah. guess what? They produce some of the best efficiency ratios mm -hmm. because a lot of financial services is automated unless mm -hmm. you need to be use a branch. Mm -hmm. Other industries, medical, technology, whatnot, that's not going to be the case. You got to collaborate on a project or a team. So I think the for some industries, the efficiency has gone down mm -hmm. and you need to be back in the office. And I think the grown up executives at some point are gonna say, okay, enough, we got the protections, we need you back in here collaborating, developing software, doing research and development. Um, others, you know, maybe you can do more financial services activities yeah. at home. Yeah. So it'll be different by the industry. Yeah, yeah, well, I think it'll be interesting when it is, when it is considered safe to get everybody back together, in my opinion, it's going to be a rush back to the office. And, and I think a lot of it is because turnover of your people is a lot more expensive than the office space. So thinking that you're saving money by, by not having an office or having less of it is a crock, in my opinion, because, you know, that... Uh, onboarding, that recruiting, that onboarding, that retreat, tra training, the collaboration, the retention. Uh, you know, when you look at the, the cost of a business, it's number one to the people, right? Yep. And I think, you know, there's other pieces that are going to come back in the fold. Mm -hmm. So things like daycare, we've got schools coming back, we'll have mm -hmm. daycare open up. So for a lot of families and professionals, um, you know, we lack those infrastructure elements. So when mm -hmm. those come back in place, I think we all, you know, I told my wife, I said, you know, the, one more time where the beagle's barking in the background or something's happening, it's like, please, God, when can I get a day back at the office? You know, we, we are more pro, uh, pro productive and more focused. But I think those are elements that have hurt. And the other this hurt is we've incentivized a lot of people not to necessarily financially have to be going back to work. Yeah. And, that's, and that's hurt us a lot. So, you know, things like Believe it or not, one in four Americans aren't paying their rent or their mortgage. They're in forbearance programs. Mm. And many of them, can, they've had income, they could do it, but they just decided not to. <laughs> you know, I have neighbors that have been out, you know, buying toys instead of paying their mortgage saying, ah, don't worry about it. And they were wow. fully employed. So I think some of these other pieces that will help. You guys must that. have some great neighborhood parties. <laughs> <laughs> I said, let them buy the toys and let us get invited. I don't have to pay for the toys. <laughs> So, Casey, what do you think about as far as office sector valuations and, and office REITs you know, moving forward with what's going on in the office world? Yeah, so, you know, every time we have disruption, you and I both know that's when we're busy. That's when we want to we want to be at a disruptive 
disruptive point of the curve. And so right now, everybody's you know, going short on the CBD office, and they don't think we're going to go back to commuting and high density and all that type stuff. So if you look at something like NARI, they're showing CBD offices, they're down year over year about 5% in total return. But if you look at Suburban, which Real Capital Analytics breaks out, they're showing Suburban assets are up about 12%. In fact, what I observe, I live out in sub suburb of Atlanta, Gwinnett County, if you've got a 1980s, 1990s vintage suburban single-story office business park, you can't list it and keep it listed fast enough. That companies yeah. are saying, you know, low density, um, you know, suburban. I can sublet or lease small pockets for my mm -hmm. my groups to have team meetings and whatnot. Um, branch banks are becoming hot commodities. Closed branch banks are becoming hot commodities for office space. Yeah. You know, we can have small team meetings. Look at uh, here in Atlanta, North Lake Mall. Emory University moving a lot of its office and R&D type of space into an empty mall, into the old department store, because it's low density escalators instead of elevators. So that's an opportunity to rejuvenate all of that restaurant, hotel, commercial mm -hmm. space around there, because now we bring a new type of people. It's not shopping traffic, it's office traffic. Yeah. So I think it's a time to sort out the opportunity. So you're thinking then, uh, tell me if I'm right here, when you're thinking that CBD office values have taken a hit, and they're going to take a hit. Maybe it's 5%. Maybe it's more depending on the building, obviously. Uh, but then do you expect that to, what do you expect to do in the future there? So here's what I think is going to happen with office. If you're watching vacancy rate number, I think you're going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. Because companies are going to say, I still need space, but it's going to be less density. Instead of one worker per 150 square feet, maybe I go back to 300 square feet. Mm -hmm. But then that, that tenant is going to say, it's not worth the same to me. So I think there's a big repricing mm -hmm. when these longer term leases come up for renewal. And to me, the bellwether I'm looking at is sublet numbers. Mm -hmm. So Collier's good brokerage, um, they just put out their summer office outlook report. And they noted that um, at the end of last year, we had about 45 million square feet of sublet space. Mm -hmm. um, right now at mid-year, we have over 200 million square feet, which is 50% more than the peak during the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. So, and those, those spaces are being offered at 25 to 50% off. Mm -hmm. So they're gonna suppress the rental rate. So I think companies will honor their leases, they'll keep space, it's going to be less dense, but they may pick up a sublet space instead of a new virgin one, or they may opt to do small, many smaller chunks in the suburbs. Yeah. So I think there's a repricing to come. I think the repricing is going to be worse in the big downtown buildings, especially if we can't get the other elements like feeling safe and secure and having services. So, you know, we, we all read the headlines, whether it's in Chicago or even a downtown Atlanta here. We have 50 shootings over a weekend. That tends to reduce people's comfort in going back to the office as well. So we need our elected leaders to really go to work on, on helping us feel safe about those environments to go back to. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not just the, the safety from COVID, it's the safety from the major cities and you know some of the crime that, that's really increased uh, during, during what the last couple of years. Um, and you know, if you haven't been to one of the major cities uh, recently, it's, it's it's eye-opening to kind of see what's going on. Now, you were recently in Chicago, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll share it. Chicago has always been one of my favorite big cities. I love cities. Chicago. We love Chicago. Yeah. I mean. they, they make pizza pretty good there, you know? <laughs> There's um, some good people there, too. So it's one of my favorite places, except for maybe in January or February, you know, <laughs> yeah. where my nostrils freeze shut when I breathe in because of the cold yeah. weather. But I was just there, and it was the week going into the Wallapalooza mm -hmm. big festival that they had there. So I flew in on a Monday. That weekend before, they had over 50 shootings that weekend that was just plastic. It's all you heard about. 
I'm driving from the airport midway to downtown to the uh, convention hotel that I was, um, was going to be involved with. And uh, it looked like I was in Eastern Europe before the fall of the East Berlin uh, Wall or whatever. Barbed wire up everywhere, mm. fences up everywhere. There were so many visual cues that I wasn't in a safe place. Yeah. You know, and a lot of that was anticipation of the festival, but a lot of it has been put permanent to protect museums and monuments and all kinds of other things. Wow. And then when I got to the hotel, they couldn't drop me off at the hotel because what the hotel reported, there's like bullet holes in all the lobby and they keep replacing the windows, that in the late evenings, these criminal groups will do the drive-throughs of the major hotels and just shoot them up to intimidate the place. So now you gotta go one to two blocks away to get an Uber. And so here's another reinforcing kind of cue to you. So that kind of stuff we've gotta get um, under control. We gotta get rid of the visual cues that we're in an unsafe place. And it doesn't make someone wanna open a restaurant and have outdoor seating yeah. in the evening. So and the same yeah. as we went to Wrigley Field. And the, the police thought we were crazy getting on mass transit to go up to Wrigley Field. And then when we left, you couldn't get an Uber at Wrigley. You had to yeah. go a couple blocks away because, again, they had those same problems. So yeah. we wow. gotta think about those issues. Yeah, it's interesting to think about because I think about crime uh, related to residential, but maybe it really hadn't occurred to me how much crime could impact an office building value. But when you see what's been going on the last couple of years, I guess it's something you really want to think about if you're buying an, a CBD building or doing any kind of valuation on it for some reason. You gotta think about that. Yeah, look, look at, we had the experiment in Atlanta, how many times with underground Atlanta, <laughs> where we'd rejuvenate it and then they'd let the crime get out of control mm -hmm. and everybody would leave or wouldn't come back. And so, you know, the, the crime and the physical feeling safe is as important as the health feeling self feeling safe in an office yeah. environment. And uh, underground Atlanta, if, if you've ever been there uh, around the world, <laughs> if you've ever been there, it's a kind of a cool place. And we're and it's being redone again. This time it's going to be great. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it, it sounds like it's going to be great, really. Yeah. Um, well, they're probably putting the residential in that hopefully yeah. brings a more permanence versus just a yeah. crazy nightlife in. The university system, Georgia State, is expanding mm -hmm. and taking over the old uh, Olympic Stadium to whatever we keep yeah. calling it, um, the baseball field and everything else. So yeah. uh, those things help, and it just shows you the structural infrastructure elements. It's not just whether you want to go back to the work, but you got to have all these infrastructure elements work too. Yeah, yeah. What would you leave our audience with, KC, to think about moving forward related to office properties and, then, and just the uh, economy moving? So I say three things. I say, one, we don't know what we don't know. There's a lot to play out here. Every time we write off an asset, that's an opportunity and it comes charging back. How many times have we written office off, you know, whether it was a great recession or whether it was the oil patch days and um, I, I was handling Denver and oil patch markets with equitable real estate and mm -hmm. it was terrible and we, were, we, we wrote rents from $20 down to $5 and <laughs> 10 years later, it was one of the best office markets in the country. So don't write office off yet. I think the, the recovery and stability is stronger in the suburban markets mm -hmm. uh, and the secondary markets. And we're seeing that that's because that's where workforce and population are going. So where workforce and population go, office will be stronger. Look at things like the NARIT. NARIT has their new index out in uh, Real Capital Athletics. And while NARIT shows that office is right behind um, malls and worse performance and being negative, Real Capital Analytics says it's a different story for the suburban markets versus the urban markets. So I'm very bullish on the suburbs and secondary markets. I think the longer haul is going to come in the CBD, and we need those other infrastructure elements to get fixed. Yeah, and it's really a remarkable time if you're a user uh, of space, you're an occupier, you run a lead a company, because I know a lot of businesses are really using this as a time to move to Class A, to real healthy mm -hmm. buildings, right? Where there may be these wellness certifications and touchless technology and, 
opportunity to, while there is some vacancy and less demand, to really move up in your office space. And it seems to be also working with Class A uh, office building sales, where you know the investment, the institutional investors are thinking, hey, these Class A, these really well buildings uh, are going to be where people want to be. Well, when you look at new construction costs, you're looking mm -hmm. at three to five hundred bucks a square foot. If you can mm -hmm. pick one of these up for two hundred mm -hmm. and and wait it out, it's worth it. The other one I say is there's good exceptions to show about how all this works. Mm -hmm. What I'll do is look at Miami, look at the downtown Miami and South Florida market not anywhere near the sublet space that we're seeing in other markets mm -hmm. like Atlanta, New York, Chicago, San Francisco. Um, number two, they've worked on their infrastructure for years. So they have this new Brightline thing that's coming from light rail from uh, Miami all the way to Orlando. And the office building assets along there are trading at 50% more than they did two, three years ago. So if you look at your infrastructure elements and you look at your housing affordability and safety, all those things tell you they work and they produce value. So I'd be looking for those other opportunities, adaptive reuse. Uh, South Florida, I wrote a paper recently. We looked at Doral. We looked at Coral Gables where they're doing all of that and they're bringing green space. Look at Atlanta. We're doing the Greenway Trail and the further expansion of that, the Highline Trail in New York. Um, in Phoenix, you've got the Marina Heights project that connects everything. When you bring this green space back together, and you think about those markets that are doing that and that infrastructure element, you're reconnecting what interstate's divided. Think of Atlanta and the downtown connector and the divide. And, you know, look what Dallas did and, you know, putting parks above the interstate system. So um, I'd be looking at those opportunities. This is, when yeah. you throw something away, I look at trying to get invested in it. And plus, to your point earlier, look where people are migrating to, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, like in Florida, we've sold a building recently in Tampa in Tallahassee to West Palm Beach, and wow. they sold during COVID uh, and sold really well. So there's a lot of what companies and people want to move to some of these markets. Yeah, you look at a Charlotte, a Raleigh, a Nashville, even a Huntsville, Alabama, mm -hmm. um, you know, a San Antonio, um, uh, Salt Lake City is another great type market, Boise, Idaho. These, mm -hmm. these are markets where people are you know, maybe leaving Seattle or San Francisco yeah. and, and they're finding those opportunities. So look for the opportunities. Yeah. All right, so the glass is half full then. Yeah, I always tell people I'm never half full or half empty. I just want to know where the other half of the glass of the water went. <laughs> then I know where the money is. Casey, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Great information as usual. Thank you, sir. And thank you for joining us around the country. Please let us know what you think. We appreciate hearing from you. We appreciate you sharing the show and be with us. So until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing site selection and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit buxtonco.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert level commercial real estate broker training. Cloud Access One, up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's commercial real estate show.